You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable, and I'm your host, Dr. Laura Humphrey. With me today is Dr. Louis Casalino. Dr. Casalino is Professor of Psychology at Pepperdine University, holding advanced degrees also in both philosophy and theology. Dr. Casalino is a national expert in the field of neurobiology and has published numerous books and articles on this subject. Welcome, Dr. Casalino. Today we're discussing the doctor-patient brain relationship. So what would the doctor-patient brain relationship consist of? I think, in my experience, most MDs underestimate the value of the relationship Mm. and the, I guess I say, that sort of the curative aspect of the relationship. And I think that's, you know, it may just be because the technical aspects of medicine are so complicated and overwhelming and impressive that we forget that what we're dealing with is a person where there is an awful lot of healing that can occur simply in the human interaction. And historically, that's what doctors, you know, shamans and other sorts of healers have mostly had to rely on because what they were using had no real impact. So they were relying almost exclusively on the placebo effect for their result. And as we know the, uh, from recent research, I think there was a study done at UCLA in the last few years that showed that the placebo effect was stronger than the effect of antidepressants in a population. There's an incredible amount of power that a healer, a person in authority, has through physical touch, through contact, through reassuring words, through just uh, you know an open presence that can result in healing. So I think that's just so important to keep in mind. Tell us about this study on the placebo effect. How does that work in the brain? The dogma that we've all grown up with, probably because of our Judeo-Christian roots, is that the spirit is a sort of disembodied thing that floats around inside of our bodies. I think even when I started talking and teaching this material about 10 years ago or so, it was still difficult for people to take a one-to-one correspondence or think about a one-to-one correspondence between personality and the body. But I think over the last 10 or 15 years or so, we've come to accept the fact that nothing really happens in our bodies, in our psyches or in our experience, without also happening in our bodies. This is a one-to-one correspondence. And so when you think about our health, our physiological health, yes, there's a biological, there's a direction from the biological into our health. So certainly our immunological system and all of the the protein synthesis and biochemicals that are involved in health are very important. But at the same time, our psychology and the way our thinking and our relationships and our beliefs are become activated and organized also influence these systems, right? So if we believe, if we have positive beliefs, we have more healthy immunological systems. So there's a positive activation of certain biochemicals as we feel better that stimulate protein synthesis and neuroplasticity that allow our immunological systems to function better. And so there's this connection, you know, not only between uh, a healthy physical environment, but also a healthy psychological environment, both feeding into our immunological processes. And so what's happening in the placebo effect is actually a very powerful healing effect. It is not a false effect at all. No, it's not a false effect. It's, uh, you know, I think people tend to uh, aggrandize the effect of a pharmaceutical agent, but those pharmaceutical agents are affecting biochemical processes and relationships affect biochemical processes. So they're just two paths to the same endpoint. What is it about the doctor-patient relationship that affects the patient's healing? The first part of that that comes to mind is the authority that the doctor has. 
because of his training, because of his position in society. That's a big part of it. You know, another part of it is that someone is coming with a sense of hope and need, and so that often, most usually, creates an openness to what's being given. And then you take those two things and you put them in the context of a good, loving, healing connection with people. And what you're doing is you're stimulating their brains to be maximally open to what you're teaching them. Years ago, when I was in graduate school, I studied uh, patient compliance with medication. And we found that medication compliance was somewhere around 10 or 15% of of the patients that actually took medications the way the doctor prescribed it. And in these cases, what we found was that there were no, in most of these cases, there was just the prescription, but there wasn't a relationship with the doctor. And there wasn't really time taken to teach them and to make sure that they understand what's going on. Also, very, I think doctors under, underestimate how overwhelmed the patients are in listening to them while they're listening because of the status differential and often because of they're, in a sense, in this emotional state when they're with the doctor and they're not necessarily processing the, the cognitive aspects of learning about the, uh, you know, what's being prescribed to them or what instructions they're being given. And have they done studies that show that changing the way that physicians and their staffs interact with the patients actually changes their compliance? This is old memory for me. I haven't looked at this research in quite a while, but my recollection is when I was doing this uh, compliance research is that that is what they found, is that that was what... Uh, what what they found to be true over and over again. And if you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Laura Humphrey, and we're speaking today with Dr. Louis Casalino. Dr. Casalino is professor of psychology at Pepperdine University, holding advanced degrees also in both philosophy and theology. Dr. Casalino is a national expert in the field of neurobiology and has published numerous articles and books on this topic. We're discussing today the doctor-patient relationship. Uh, especially in terms of their brains. So how do they study the brain in relationship? The primary way that the brain has been studied in relationship is in, this, uh, is in a process of social cognition research now in, with, uh, with brain scans. And what we're trying to do is get a sense of what regions of the brain become activated and you know, contribute to attachment and bonding, love, empathy, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And so they register what part of the brain? Lots of different parts of the brain. In fact, they've discovered these, uh, these neurons that they call mirror neurons uh, most recently. And what these neurons are is that they bridge different neural regions, processing regions of the brain. So, example, when you're watching someone do something, there are mirror neurons that connect our visual networks with our motor networks. So that to wa- when we're watching someone do something, we're actually practicing how to do it. Our brain, our neural patterns, our neural systems within our motor uh, networks are practicing those things. So this is really the, the first time we've had a good explanation for one trial learning. In other words, why is it that we watch someone do something and can do it? And it's believed that these systems developed in part because it was one of the ways in which we learn language. Children watch us. They read our lips and they watch us. And that's part of learning how to form the letters and the words as they're speaking. Another way that mirror neurons work is that we see someone, for example, with a certain facial expression or body posture. That then bridges across from our visual system to our motor system and our sensory systems, and we have an internal model of ourselves being in that posture, which then stimulate emotions that are connected inside of us. So our brains are creating internal representations 
of the internal experience of others through these mirror systems, and that's why they're called mirror systems. How fast does this occur? Practically instantaneously. I mean, it probably occurs before conscious awareness. Conscious awareness takes about five to 600 milliseconds, and these systems probably get activated in half that time or less. So what does this mean for the doctor-patient relationship in the office? It, it really speaks to the fact that we're healing people and that how we behave in the office and our connection with them and the emotional resonance we have with them is going to create a certain coherence in their brains that will either maximize or minimize their ability to follow our directions, to feel hope about the future, and more importantly, I think, to feel connected with us in the process of their healing. So let's say a doctor is frustrated or behind schedule, maybe is worried about another patient. How might that adversely affect the interaction with the patient before him or her? Well, it'll certainly depend on that patient's assumptions about what that means. In other words, each, each uh, patient will have some different assumption about what it means. Um, they might feel that uh, they're not important, that they're not cared for. They might question what the doctor's saying because the doctor's sort of stumbling or distracted or preoccupied. And so all, in all of those ways, and probably many others, depending on their own history, their uh, personality, all of those variables. Mm-hmm. And does that experience of the doctor actually activate certain regions of their brain? Well, I, this research has never been done, so it would only be speculation from, uh, from my point. But I would suspect that if a doctor looks preoccupied or if a doctor, by mistake, continues to call a patient by another name or talk about medications that the client doesn't take, that that would certainly activate fear in a client and make them wonder whether they're getting the right treatment, whether the orders are correct. And you add to that all of the bad press that, uh, you know, that hospitals and doctors get from, you know, because those cases are always the ones that are big news. It undermines confidence, and confidence is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And may even lead to lawsuits. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this idea of coherence in the brain, what does that really mean? Hmm, coherent, well, I think in terms of coherence, there's a number of ways of thinking about that term. Coherence in a social context is a kind of a, it's related to resonance. In other words, that you're in the same emotional space as the, peop- the person or persons you're dealing with. And there's just this experience of being um, attuned to them. Mm-hmm. So there's that piece of it. And then within, within the person, coherence is, uh, talk, you can talk in terms of having many systems of the brain activating uh, and, and functioning at the same time in a coordinated manner. So the person is uh, performing at an optimal level. For example, when someone becomes very frightened, they generally have a hard time thinking clearly and they're much more limbic in their behavior. In other words, they're acting more on reflex and they're more driven by fear, less likely to think a problem through and come to a good decision. Is coherence more likely, let's say, um, from a doctor who's in a relaxed, focused, attentional state with their patient than if they're you know, um, distracted and inattentive? Sure, absolutely. And I mean, I know more about this from the, you know, from the psychotherapy context, but I I would just venture to say that any doctor-patient relationships to some degree is a psychotherapy relationship because of the nature of what you're dealing with. Um, And what you see, if you look at tapes of therapists and clients, you see that there's there's a movement in, there's a mirroring of body postures as they're discussing things. Their facial expressions tend to to you know, go along with each other and mirror each other. And when you look at the psychotherapy outcome research, for example, 
no matter how highfalutin or bombastic or intricate the theory of the psychotherapist is with the client, the client always says, well, I, got, I think it was helpful because the guy, he was a good guy or a good gal. <laughs> but that's what patients remember. And I think that's what they connect to, and that's sort of the key element to healing. And I have to believe that that particular bit of it is just as important um, with a doctor-patient relationship, maybe not so much with a surgeon or an anesthesiologist, <laughs> you know, yeah. but with a doctor that you're actually like a, like a GP or someone that you're dealing with on an ongoing basement, uh, ba- basis where you're trying to coordinate the treatment, it, there's got to be a little psychotherapy going on in there. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank you, Dr. Louis Casalino, for being our guest today. We've been discussing the doctor-patient brain relationship. I'm Dr. Laura Humphrey, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.